Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Heller, and if there's one thing I've learned after being a fitness and health professional and a chronic pain sufferer for over a decade, it's that every body is unique. On this show, I sit down with health and wellness experts in an effort to gather as many different perspectives, journeys, and philosophies as possible. Join me in cultivating a collective growth mindset and challenge yourself to take away just one key point from each episode that inspires you to think or behave differently. Have a pain-free day and enjoy this episode. What is going on, beautiful people? It is Mariah with Pain-Free Fitness, your host. And if you have listened to the podcast before, you know that my goal in life is to create a kind of a collective growth mindset, as I would say, in the fitness and wellness industries. And I think the way that we get started on the path to doing that is by having a lot of different conversations with people that know a lot about whatever it is that they know. And if I could take one thing away from every episode, and if I had kind of an intention for the audience, it would be to just get one key insight from every episode. If it's just that one thing that you learn that you can implement or just kind of stew on that makes you uh, a better athlete, a better trainer, a better wellness professional, whatever it might be, um, I would consider that a success. And I think with my guest today, that is going to be super easy because this person is just amazing. And uh, I will do a, a brief introduction. And then I have kind of a funny story just kind of about the when we met. But Dr. Shante Cofield, aka the movement maestro, um, in addition to being a doctor of physical therapy, amongst many other things, including an orthopedic clinical specialist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, CrossFit level one, SFMA, FMS, all of that happy stuff. She is also the creator of the Movement Maestro LLC. So uh, something that, that I, I really admire about you, Shante, is that not only do you do the work and have done the work to kind of help people get out of pain and move better, but you also help fitness and wellness professionals and movement professionals to do more good for the world, right? By increasing their exposure. And I would like to talk about all of that, but first, thank you so much for being on the show today. Dude, what an intro. I'm hype. I am honored. That was great. I was like, whoa, that is that's, that's freaking awesome. So thank you for having me. This is, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, before we get into the conversation, so the, you and I met briefly and I totally would not expect you to remember, but we met briefly at the Rockstock event in 2019, mm. which feels like forever ago. Because ago. Of, yeah. Because of how Gosh. 2020 went, yeah. but you gave a talk at yeah. that uh, conference, which was amazing. Loved it. But the, the song that you played when you were walking up, I was listening to it and I was like, this song is fire. Like, ooh, you know, like fist pump, all of that. And then I was trying to figure out what it was. And yeah. I think you might've said it, or like I asked you about it and it was mm -hmm. Llama Llama Red Pajama read by Ludacris. That's it. That is it catchy so the yes. reason i did that for you folks listening uh there's a backstory so the year before i also spoke at rock at rockstock and i was talking about how you can manipulate things change things and it, it changes the output right change the input change the output and during that i used that song right so it's a children's book 
you can go buy it. And I read it the first time and I had like, you know, like the little like twinkling music on in the background. It was real soft and real nice. And then I played that song and it's Luda. Like it's Luda. He's amazing at that same driving (laughs) beat all the time. And so I was just comparing and contrasting like, Hey, change the input, change the output. So when I came back the the next year to talk, uh, I was like, I know some people will remember and be like, llama llama so that's why i played it but it is if you haven't heard it before you're just like this is jam i like it it is it is you guys like seriously fight me about it it is so good google it it's it's a great song but anyway um just kind of you know to to get kind of kicked off here I know that you have quite the story as far as kind of how you got into doing what you're doing today And I just wanted to ask you about that first. Like, how would you just describe your journey to get to this point where you are? Totally. I I think that uh, it's largely been about creating options, uh, learning my no, and, uh, you know, moving away from pain, if we're going to keep it on brand with with what you're talking about. Uh, So I am a physical therapist by trade, like you said, uh, and I will not lie. I went to school and hated it. I was like this, I made the wrong choice. And then I became a PT and I was like, I think I definitely made the wrong choice. Uh, And largely that was because I wasn't sure if I was actually helping people or if they were just kind of feeling better because they were in PT for six to eight weeks, avoiding the thing that they really loved doing. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, but this is the way I was in New York city, high volume, just a lot of turnover. Uh, And so in an effort to like remove that pain point from my life, I eventually turned to Instagram mainly because I started I started doing CrossFit, wanted to learn more about it, went down the rabbit hole of of uh, stop chasing pain right of of Perry Nicholson, my my self appointed mentor, and was yeah. like, oh, there's something more out there. And for the first time in my life, I actually asked. So I went to his rock tape course largely for him, and. I asked, I was like, how do I become an instructor for this? Like, I don't care how long it takes. I want to do this. So I was still treating in New York, uh, wound up getting the job for rock tape and I dove in head first. I was just like, I was so disenchanted by the PT model. I was ready to be done with that. Uh, the traditional PT model, right? Cause rock tape showed me that there are, there are other options. And so I was like, I'm going to go and teach. And then I started doing more like home, not even home health, concierge, PT, um, I was treating out of my CrossFit box. And the beautiful thing about Rock Tape was that it allowed me to build my maestro brand, right? I'm traveling the country and then soon to be the world uh, teaching this stuff. And also they're huge with that entrepreneur model. So I got to grow my brand because they realized if people come to see me, they're still paying them. So this is mutually beneficial. So growing my brand as, as I was teaching that. And then the next step became once again, because of, of solving a pain point, which was people kept asking like, okay, I see how we use these tools. I kind of understand when to use them, but like, what next? How do I keep it there? How do I like, what do I do next? How do I lock it in? And Rock Tape hadn't created a course at the time and it didn't look like the one was coming. So I was like, I'll make one. I had enough of a following, enough of, you know, community. And so created my, my, my moving with the maestro course and was still very much in the movement space, not treating really anymore, largely pulling back from that, but doing a lot of teaching. Uh, and then as I'm doing that, definitely in the back of my mind is like, you know, I don't, I'm not really 
treating anymore. So what I've learned and what I've done is, is still relevant, but also things are changing. And if I'm not treating, how do I stay relevant in this? And more importantly, do I want to stay relevant with this? Is it interesting to me? And it really wasn't like I dove head first into movement and you know, pain science was pretty much the last thing, pain science and breathing. I like got all into all of it. I did pelvic floor work as a pelvic, pelvic floor PT. I was in it, literally, figuratively, I was in it. Uh, and then I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. This has been eight years uh, and people have been asking me a lot of business questions. And so I was doing that more like behind the scenes. And so I pivoted the business, official hard pivot of the business was last year in 2020. And I was like, I'm only doing front facing, all facing, all things. It's going to be business coaching. I had, you know, kind of been doing both and doing the movement stuff. Uh, but I was like, I don't want to be doing that. And there's so many other wonderful people in the space that want to be doing that. I'll direct you to them and I'm going to go and do this thing. So now this is what I do. I do online business coaching for movement professionals. I live in SoCal, I drive a Jeep. I have a cat, play a lot of volleyball. <laughs> That's my best life. I, I love that. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of things that, that I would like to kind of delve into further there. I think something that you said that I would like to kind of go back on just because I think it's really important is the fact that a lot of us kind of operate with sort of that sunk cost fallacy in mind. Oh, and I yes. think a lot of people in your position might have said, well, I went through all this schooling to do this. I need to just grind it out. I need totally. to be a physical therapist by trade for my whole career. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I love that you kind of reoriented there. Um, I had a similar experience. I had been in the fitness industry and a manual therapist for a long time. And I finally stepped into ownership of my own facility in the functional training space. Yeah. And I was good at it, but I was like, I don't think I am reaching the audience that I want to reach. And mm -hmm. oddly enough, pain-free fitness came about because I was writing an ebook as a marketing tool for my gym. I <laughs> and love I was it. like, oh, this that. is what I want to do. <laughs> Look at that. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. I love um, it. So I love it. I love how, that. Yeah. I mean, how did you kind of know, like, instead of just grinding it out and kind of forcing yourself to do that, how did you reorient yourself um, totally. in the way that you did? Totally. And, and I kind of spun it and was just like, I stayed in PT in the beginning because of that. So like, I was ready to leave two years into it. I was like, this ain't the way, but I did have so much student loan debt that I was like, let me try to figure something out so that I'm not like, you know, I made this huge mistake. The, the time spent making that mistake is not justification for continuing to make that mistake. But I was like, let me figure out how I can make something work from this. So I think you have two options. You're like, or maybe three. One, one is that you just like, go, right? You cut all ties and you're like, oh, well, there it is. Two, you grind it out and you just keep doing this thing you hate. Or three, you figure out how to make it work for you. And so that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to take this third route. And the fact that I have a doctorate, even though like, it doesn't mean like people, I'm not gonna say anything else about that because people can get all upset about it, but I have this doctorate. <laughs> I'm going to use that. And I'm going to use that as a leverage to become this, you know, rock tape instructor and, and have this, this kind of clout because of all these letters and move up this ladder. Cause I went and actually got my OCS because I thought that I wanted to stay in like the traditional PT model. And I was like, more letters is more better. So let me do that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this model, but I'm going to apply it to something else. Uh, 
And the fact that I do have this expertise and I do have this, you know, again, perceived clout, let me use that to try and go in this other direction, but it's still within PT because I was like, I'm going to go and teach. I'm still doing, you know, using some of what I've learned uh, in some capacity and go down that route until I figured that, you know, come to the next fork in the road where I'm like, actually, I don't like this thing. I'm going to go and, and do this other thing. For me, it's, it's largely been a journey of exclusion, right? And learning my no and being like, I'm not throwing all of it away, but I'm going to get rid of the bad parts because I, I don't, I never like treatment. I love assessment. I still do. But then I'm like, okay, go do it. You're a grown up. <laughs> like, I don't know why you might hold your hand through this. Like you have to just go do it. So my first step was getting rid of all these sessions. It'd be like, I'll do an assessment on you. And oftentimes people had other providers and practitioners. And it was like, these are my thoughts. Here's what I think you should be doing. Uh, you know, I moved out to Cali. And so I'm in a place where people come to vacation. And so sometimes people will be going on vacation. They're like, can I come in for a session? And I'm like, sure. One time. Great. I just get to do that assessment part and cut out the stuff that I didn't like. I started working for myself because I was like, I don't like the demographic I'm working with. I didn't necessarily hate PT, but I was like, I don't like doing that stuff. So let me go and and work and, and work with this demographic. So I think that, you know, you see it a lot where you're just like, I know this, it's familiar, the sunk cost fallacy, like you said, I'm going to stick it out, but you do have options and it doesn't have to be like a burn the ships, go completely the direction. You can just take the bits and pieces you like and say, how do I do more of this? And typically that starts by doing less of the stuff that you really hate, cutting it out one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were talking, I started to draw a lot of parallels to, um, working with clients that have chronic pain. And this is probably mm-hmm. going to seem like a reach, but I promise I have a point. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> I, I'm here my for brain it. works that way. I'm here but, for it. Um, you know, I, I know that, so I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. That's what got me into working with, with chronic pain clients. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you see with people, and I'm not sure if you've seen this as well, but in the, the beginning phases of somebody either dealing with an acute injury or chronic pain that they realize is just going to limit them in some way, quote, uh, air quotes, um, there's a mourning period of, mm-hmm. oh my God, everything I've trained for, everything I've been doing, uh, you know, if I can't squat heavy anymore, then who am I? Who am I? You yep. know, and um, it's what I, in my practice, encourage people to do is, you know, develop a movement menu. Let's let's shift the focus to what you can do. And that That's doesn't it. mean that everything else is, is a moot point. It just means that it's a building block and you don't want to be the way that you were, that you were yeah. before. You want to grow forward. Do you see totally agree. some of those parallels as well? Oh as yeah, a hundred percent. Working people who have pain, working people in the business space, people live in this all or nothing mentality. It's always in the binary. And we have to realize like it's both and for so many things. It's not all or nothing. It's all or something. Like there's not all or nothing. That is across the board. Absolutely. And, you know, I like that, you know, yes, when we're going to the phases of things like, I'm going to encourage that first part of like acknowledging things, grieving these things, because I think about me as a, it's like movement is my identity, the movement maestro, like that's literally my actual identity. If I was to lose that, yes, there's a, there has to be a mourning period because you're like part of my identity for all these years is gone. And then it becomes a matter of hopefully working with someone like you, working with a good provider where it's like, all right, now I get to start taking from that what is still I can and building something new. You know, one of the hardest things that I found about working with 
with people that, that had chronic pain was that they weren't ready to get rid of that identity or the chronic pain became their new identity. And they were like, you can't get rid of that because then who am I? Like I was this person before I lost that. Now I'm this person. And you're trying to tell me to get rid of this, then who am I going to be? I'm really understanding that, that it's across, you know, every, you know, discipline and everything. Absolutely. That parallel makes so, so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I think there's, there's some root cause analysis that has to happen with why you're doing a certain thing as opposed to, as opposed to just attaching your identity to that thing. So I think, you know, we, we maybe evolve as a certain level of a business person and we identify with that, but really, you know, maybe your goal was to help as many people as you can. And you are now doing that on such a larger Mm -hmm. scale by helping professionals reach wider audiences and bring their businesses online and, and do so many cool things like that. And, uh, you know, we see that as well. And in the Absolutely. athlete and in the, the pain community, it's like, Absolutely. why are you doing this? Do you want to feel why? strong? Cause we can, we can make you feel strong other ways. You That's just got to decide. Having a moment to like really reflect on why, right? Borrowed goals ain't the way you sit and like, what is my why for this? So that's actually a drill that I have uh, my, my business clients go through. And anytime they have a goal. So I borrowed this goal from my, my friend, Danny Mate, and he apparently, I think he got it from Precision Nutrition. Uh, mm-hmm. I call it the 5D drill and I extended to a friend and he was like, that's called the, the five-year-old drill because that's what my five-year-old does. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so we're going to call it that. And what we do with it is you have the person write down their goal and then they have to ask why and they have to answer it. And then from that answer, they have to ask why and answer it. And usually if you do this like at least five times, you come to this like deeper thing and suddenly you're like, I, I don't necessarily need to do that original thing I thought in that way because this is why I'm doing it and this is what will keep me going or these are you know will help me out with my next steps. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the that's so funny. I use that as well with with my clients. It's the five whys analysis, right? Like let's just let's get to the root goal. What is it? That's it. That's it. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Right. So um, good. So kind of, you know, pivoting into um you work with a with a lot of movement professionals, mm-hmm. and your following is what close to sixty thousand now on social media. Yeah, I think we're like at. I'm closing in on sixty three. It's very slow growing though. Very. That's slow growing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm stoked and about it. Yeah, and it's. A, I mean, even you know now, I think more than ever, it's such a crowded space. So the fact yeah. that you're able to, um, and your newsletter, just by the way amazing i Dude, love i read you. it every, every time you send it you're out it's just like ooh <laughs> so really really good content guys like just free content there um so definitely subscribe to that but if there was kind of one major struggle that you see with movement professionals that you work with when it comes to actually i guess just really when it comes to anything that you do with them yeah. is there kind of one main obstacle that you find yourself bumping up against with them over and over again I, I don't know if we necessarily, necessarily come up against it, but one of the things that I see people having to work on, and one of the things that I try to head off at the past with my messaging so that I don't have to bump into it later, is the confidence to show up authentically. I use the air quotes because it's just that word is just used so much now, uh, but so much of my brand has now become around this more you concept, and that is what people initially you know, they, they, they struggle with, they have difficulty with, but then I, I also find that they, 
as soon as they start getting a little traction with it, they get it and they embrace it. And they're just like, ah, this feels so much better and so much easier, but that's definitely a central theme. And I think that ties into what you just said about the space is crowded. A lot of people there, which inherently tends to cause, you know, you get a little bit of rubbernecking delays there and you're like looking around at what everybody else is doing and like, Oh, like what did Mariah do? And I guess she did, no, they did that. And what did Kevin do? And so then you kind of, especially when you're first starting, when you first start, you're, you are going to be doing some imitating and, and being really inspired by other people. The whole goal is to find your voice, you know, especially like as kind of as quickly as you can without urgency, but that is the ultimate goal, find your own voice. But when people first start, there's so much of like, it's already been said. And somebody you know, said a million times, I'm like, what do I have to add to the conversation? And not realizing that the key, the mojo, the magic sauce is more you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's just kind of the case in uh, probably any industry, but especially in, in the wellness, health and yes, wellness world in yes. general. A lot of us say the same things. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's never been anybody being like, there's too many people saying the same thing. <laughs> Who do I talk to about this? <laughs> because we all have our, our own you know, perspectives on that. Um, what do you feel like was kind of the biggest needle mover for you or, or did you have kind of like an aha moment when it came to when you were maybe transitioning more into the teaching space, you were maybe growing your following. Was there yeah. something that you did um, that you felt like really kind of pushed your career forward and got you over like a, a obstacle you were facing or anything like that? I would say from... So in general, I'll give you two answers because that's what I'm going to be. Uh, in general, it was getting more reps. Uh, and so from the social media perspective, I decided to post every day because I saw Wad Doc doing it. I saw K-Star doing it. And those are like big names in the CrossFit space at that time. And I was like, well, this seems to be what's working. And, and I could do that. Like I'll post every day. And I started doing these daily maestroisms and I did them for a thousand days. And that I would say largely catapulted my... Uh, online career just because it was the consistency and I showed up every single day 7 30 p.m eastern standard time every day so I would say number one would be the reps and the same thing for the in-person gig it was like I taught so many rock tape courses I didn't realize that until I had to like make my cv I think for rock tape at one point and I was like oh my goodness no wonder I feel so comfortable teaching this I've taught 11 billion classes like literally so many and I was like wow so the reps of that and like just getting comfortable in front of and speaking in front of people and teaching things like practice, practice, and practice from the online side, uh, you know, I think that results, like that's the best motivation that you can get. It gives you so much confidence because uh, it kind of proves the competency there. And so I launched my very first online product in, I don't know, 2018, maybe, maybe. Think so, uh, which was breathing with the maestro. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know how I would do. And I had it on Vimeo. I wasn't even like on like any of the like true online like Kajabi platforms. And it did really well. And that was when I was just like, oh, like I can do this. Like this is going to be viable. People want to hear from me in this way. Like, yes, online courses have existed in other spaces and other ways and like other industries, but I was like, do people want this here? Like, they're going to understand it. Like, it's weird to us now, like on the other side of 2020, we're like, of course it's online. That's what everyone does. <laughs> right. But it was like before right, BC, 
it like wasn't as big of a thing in our industry. Like I was doing virtual sessions. I've been doing this since 2015, but it just wasn't as big of a thing. So taking that leap and then it did really, really well. And I was like, okay, like I can do this and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I, I know that you, you cover a lot of this in, in your coaching, but I'm curious, let's say you have someone that may be listening or, you know, a new coach or a trainer that says, I, I don't have that big of a following, mm-hmm. but I do have maybe some kind of a small course or something that I want to try to launch. And I'm not really sure where to start and just how to kind of get an MVP going. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are, are kind of a couple steps that someone like that should take? Totally. And no one's going to like my answer, but I would say if you have like no eyes and you're like, I don't know who's going to buy this don't launch it. Yeah. People are not going to hear want to hear that, but I'm not going to lie to you. Right. So I really subscribe to uh, Simon Sinek's approach of don't find people for your product, find a product for your people or build a product for your people. So what you can do because you clearly have this expertise and this passion is reverse engineer that and kind of break it down and say, all right, I have this course. This is the things that I talk about. This is what I like talking about and put that stuff out on social put it on social media, start a podcast, start an email list, a newsletter, and get it out there, right? The content comes first, then the community, and then the conversions or the sales after that. So if you have the idea, I love it, but you will struggle, period. Reverse that, get the eyes, build the trust. That is how you future-proof a business. That's how you pandemic-proof a business, to be completely honest, is you build that community. I love that you started off the podcast by talking about connection, and community. That's how you do this. That's how you build that business. So create that. And you don't need 10,000 followers. I will say that. So people will be like, I have a small following. And they're like comparing themselves to like Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, we all do. We all have a small (laughs) following. Like it's not the same. So you don't need a zillion people, uh, but you do need your loyal people. And you can absolutely do that. I think one of the best things to come out of 2020 was people realized they officially realized how much connection can be built through online platforms. I think some people were skeptical before, even though they inherently knew, because if you are the type of person to like post your kids or something on for like Aunt Susan to see, then you know you can stay connected through social media. But people really bought into it and they're like, oh, I, I see now. So you mm. use the platforms, build the connections, build the community, and then create the thing because you may find that that's not even the right thing. Like you actually build the community, you listen and you're like, this is not going to be helpful for them actually. So it also saves you time, right? I never build something until I know someone will buy it. Yeah. Because building it's the easy part. Oh yeah, absolutely. You are creative, you know. Yes. (laughs) That's about 10% of the work right there. It's so much fun. That's why you want to do it. Exactly. It's the most fun part. So you're like, I'm going to do that first. And then yeah. you're like crickets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there anybody out there? Literally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you, you had talked about how when you were going and teaching with Rock Tape, that was um, a, a really good way to kind of co-evolve your, yeah. your social media presence and your community. Do you feel like that was kind of the main way that you built your network to start? Um, I think it really helped for my in-person network more than necessarily mm. the online pers- por- portion of it. Um, mm. getting, 
the knowledge that I, that I learned from it and my comfort with teaching and speaking, um, which part of that came from PT school. We did so many presentations. That's like the number one thing I learned in PT school was like how to make a PowerPoint and give a presentation, mm-hmm. a million of them. So mm-hmm. the, the comfort level from that uh, definitely helped with the growth. And I would say the in-person component of things. Cause I went to a lot of small towns and I was like, do you have Instagram here? Do you know what this is? Uh, so that usually wasn't like a huge thing. It kind of, by the end became the reverse where people knew me from Instagram and they were like, will you come teach? Um, mm. So it definitely helped in that regard. Um, definitely some of the reposts that they did of my content onto their big account, that helped my account, um, like, like perform better, did some reposts of things. And that's when you will really grow is when a big account with lots of eyes shares your stuff. So the experience that I got from them, the knowledge, the, the, the skill in, in teaching and the in-person connections definitely helped um, in that regard. And the confidence I got, I was like, I can teach stuff. I can get on camera, I can teach. Uh, and then from an online perspective, it was any kind of reshares and things like that, that helped for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like there's, there's kind of a lot of different paths that you can take yeah. to build that community. And it, it seems like to me, and I am by no means a social media expert. I was actually a very late adopter of social media. I don't think I had any <laughs> until I started, like opened my facility, I which was I love that. not that long ago. So I, um, I, uh, it seems like right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but having that connection and being able to actually build relationships on those platforms and collaborate with people seems like a a good way to grow as opposed to just, just posting content. And that's important too. For sure. Would you say that that's accurate? Yeah. So for sure. Uh, there's kind of two folds to that. And one is build your content first because it acts kind of as your resume. And so Mm. someone's going to, no one wants to bring you in front of their audience. If they're like, you have nothing, you have no skin in the game. They're like, who are you? You haven't done anything. Like, what are you contributing to the world or to my people? Uh, So make sure that you have your own stuff there that people actually want to engage with. And they're like, oh, actually, this is like really, really cool. Uh, uh, And then the second part is, yes, absolutely. Collaborations like that are great for, for growing. Uh, and I would say, be very mindful. And I haven't had a bad experience. So I shouldn't, I should start with that because it sounds like something happened, but be mindful of the people you collaborate with and make sure that you agree in terms of values. Like, don't just be like, oh, they have a huge audience. So let me, cause they could be posting some stuff that is like, just, mm-mm. and not like, oh, it's the science is wrong, but they could just like be a bad person. That's what I care about more. Like, just like bad. And then you're like, you, you collaborated with who? So make sure that number one, you have your own body of work, build your body of work. And then number two, make sure that you are, you know, the values are in alignment, but absolutely the fastest way to grow on social media is going to be to be shared or reposted by somebody else who has a large audience and their audience trusts them and wants what you are doing. Cause like if their audience is like over here doing this stuff and you bring this product service, it doesn't really matter. Right? It's not that big of a big of a deal. Or if they don't trust them and they're like, this is transactional, I don't, I don't really care. But if those pieces are all there, then absolutely it is, you know, very helpful for you. And you want to make sure just because it was all about relationships that you are bringing something to the table as well. And so we look to establish those genuine relationships. I tell people if they're wanting to collaborate with someone, 
one, have their own, have your own success, have your own body of work, and then make sure you really support this person that you're looking to collaborate with. Like you should probably follow them. Like you should probably be like commenting on their stuff and like genuinely being like, I like what you're doing, sharing their stuff, you know, to your stories and stuff and form that genuine, that genuine, as if you were in person relationship. Absolutely. I, I, all of that. Yes. I think that's super, super helpful. Um, that was one of the struggles that I had with starting this podcast is I, I felt like, I mean, we just launched like last week at this point, listening to this has probably been about a month now, but, um, I was really worried that I was not able to offer enough value (laughs) to the person coming on. You know what I mean? And I think, um, it's different for podcasts. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes people don't, don't think about that though, too. Like I think when we're, when we're trying to grow our following and I know I made this mistake in the beginning, it's like, I would expect for people with larger followings to just kind of include me in mm-hmm. things without really offering anything in return. Yeah. And that's not fair. <laughs> totally. Totally. Like yeah. you nailed it. One of the reasons yeah. that I think that anyone that's looking to have an online business, I yeah. think that anyone that wants an online business should have a podcast is because yeah. this is like one of the only kind of uh, interactions that most people don't say no to because it is there is a lot more like mutually being mutually beneficial. Yeah. Right. Like I get in, in terms of doing this, like I get put in front of your audience in this really intimate way. Like we're in people's ears for 45 minutes. Like yeah. that's incredible. And they really get to feel you. So you do a blog post. People do that. That's like another way to try and grow things. But like, I can't feel you. I can see you're smart. I can't really feel you. You could do like, you know, guest posts on like Instagram or like collabs. Like I still can't like, really feel you but you go on a podcast holy smokes i feel like i know you like we're best friends i've listened to you for 45 minutes so there's definitely a lot more um reciprocity if you will the tables are definitely you know things are a lot more equal uh or there's more to be gained by both parties with the podcast so yeah absolutely yeah yeah absolutely and and even still I you know I think it's important like if you're thinking of starting a podcast at least something that I try to do is just say like how can I support you you know do you have a podcast I'll go and I'll leave a review on it like whatever whatever (laughs) I love that that is Um, that is awesome one of the things you will see too is that it just helps you form a relationship with the person that you're interviewing so suddenly like now we have you know, 45 minutes of like, we're having a conversation. So now I'm like, I know you way more than I did an hour ago. And so if you listening to this, you have a podcast or you're starting a podcast, that's one of the best ways to get yourself invited onto a podcast is to have yeah. your own podcast. Yeah. People get to know you and they're like, you're cool. <laughs> Bring you on. So there's I'd so like many to benefits. Talk to you. Yeah. There's so many benefits. Absolutely. So many no, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, s- switching gears a little bit, I have mm-hmm. one more question for you before we get into our more rapid fire questions yeah, and then just good. talking about, you know, what you have coming up. But um, I think being a fitness or wellness or movement entrepreneur, it's difficult to have, I hate the word balance, but quote unquote balance in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, having, um, uh, just taking care of yourself and genuinely practicing self-care as opposed to just grinding, especially, especially over the last year. I think all yeah. of us are a little tired 
So I was wondering, you know, you, you seem at least kind of on, on the outside, you seem to have that figured out. Like you just seem like a really vibrant, like just you have great energy. And I wanted to know kind of what do you do to take care of yourself and how have you found that quote unquote balance for you? Totally. I mean, I totally agree with you. Balance doesn't exist. Balancing exists, right? It's a verb. It's not a noun. So yeah. you're like always changing things. And if I was to take it a step further as it relates to like pursuing like your passion, especially as like a, a job, a vocation work, uh, to borrow from my mentor, Allison Evans, she said, work-life balance doesn't exist. This is your life's work. That's not the same as grind till you die. But we all know, and you know, because you were you just how you have your own business, you have your brick and mortar, you have a podcast. Sometimes you got to do a lot of work. Like you got to do it. Like, I have to get this thing done. That is the only option. And then you have other times where you're like, I don't need to do that. I can be doing less. So it's not the same as grind culture and just like always being always going. It's going when you need to be going to get done what you need to get done because you have a goal. So as for, you know, what I do, uh, what I've done, it's largely been that path of exclusion and things that don't light me up and things that like, I don't like cutting them out and realizing that it may take years to cut them out. I moved across the country. Right? So I'm from Jersey. I went to school to grad school in New York. My whole family's on the East coast. I live in LA because I cannot handle the weather over there. I can't handle the cold. I I've always wanted to live in California. So that took years to be able to do, but I knew that if I cut things out that don't make me happy, and it's not just like a little trivial things, but like, these are big things. I can't spend my day feeling like this, right. cut those out. It created space for more of the things that I wanted to be doing. I will say that, you know, when people say they're burned out, I don't think it's from, I don't think you get burned out from working too much. I think you get burned out from not doing enough of what you love. Right. When you're like super passionate about something, like, you know, if you have folks listening to this, I'm sure you like working on a product or something like that. And you just stayed up all night and it just like flowed. And then you just like slept in the next day or something. Like, you just, it came out. But if you're like staying up late to do notes from this like job that you hate, then you're like, this is the worst. And I am now burned out. So for me, it was cutting out things that I didn't like. Uh, I encourage everyone to write a list, right. Or make a list of things that you don't like about your day. For me, it was a commute in the city. It was waking up in the dark. It was walking to work in the snow. That was terrible. No one should do that. Unless you really like that, but I don't like that. I was like, this is so bad. So I wrote down these things and I was like, I'm gonna work to just cross one thing off at a time. Understanding that, yeah, maybe it'll take a long time, but the time's gonna pass anyway. So now I'm at a place where my days are Great. And yes, it has taken time. Like I only do, uh, I'm only client facing on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hmm. I didn't start like that. When I first started, I was like, I need to work. I need money. I'm not trying to be homeless. Like I got to figure this out. And then as that grew, I was like, all right, let me take this off of my schedule because I don't like working on Saturdays or I don't like working hmm. on this. And so now, you know, I start work at 10 so I can play volleyball or work out beforehand. I then I will go later because I still need to work and I move my day down. Uh, I live by the beach. I have palm trees outside because I know that the cold weather, I can't move forward with that. I can't be working when, when it's like that. Uh, so Absolutely. it's just been getting rid of things that really I hate and opening up space yeah. for things that I love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's been there's been a lot of interesting research about this kind of in the workplace, but I think for entrepreneurs, they can really 
benefit from that too, but exactly what you said, like, it seems like two of the major things are the first one is reducing negative forces in your life, whether it's people or, and as you said, I think that's a great tip. Like anything that kind of gives you the feeling of like, Ugh, I don't feel Mm -hmm. good after that interaction or that thing. Um, maybe just kind of taking a look at that and just even taking note of it, like just being mindful. (laughs) It starts there with the awareness of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I listened to a really interesting, um, a podcast about studies they had done on workplace burnout. And it was exactly like you're saying, it was a lot of people think that when they're burnt out, they need to do less. And sometimes it's adding another thing, yeah. but something that you really love, love and enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like oh, every time it. that I've talked to somebody, spoken to groups, it's about that. And so then it kind of becomes you know, but you're, you're like, you don't need to throw the baby out the bathwater as the phrase goes. And like, I'm like, you don't need to leave your job. I would have this conversation so many times with people before I was like fully front facing with, uh, so this is while I was traveling for rock tape, people would invite me to come and, and speak at their and teach at their clinic. And anytime someone did that, I already knew that that person was going to leave their job every single time to the point where, when they'd be like, let's go to dinner, we'd sit down and I'd be like, so you want to leave your job? And they'd be like, what? <laughs> Every single person, I can look back on it and I'm like, every single person, some of them are just leaving right now. Mind you, I stopped, I stopped teaching for them officially last year, but I really haven't done much since like 2019 for them. So some of these people I was teaching in 2015, 16, some people just left their job right now. I follow them on Instagram, which are friends. And I'm like, every single one of them wanted that, right? So it doesn't need to necessarily start off as like, just quit your job, but looking to remove certain parts of it. Like, do you not like working mornings? Ask to not work mornings. Ask, what's the worst that happens? They say, no, okay. Do you not like working with this certain type of, of patient? Ask, pitch something, be like, hey, can like Susan get all the EDS patients? Cause like, she's really good at that. Mariah, she's the best yeah. at that. Send them over there. Can I get like the ankle patients? Yeah. So you can start to just, that was how I started with things was I switched my schedule at work because I didn't like having to go in like on Friday. So I was like, let me see, can I have four 10 hour days? That was a mistake. And I learned that, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't have known if I didn't ask. I was like, this yeah. is kind of bad. But then I switched it such that I wasn't working late on Fridays at least. So taking yeah. those steps to just start remove at least parts of things, it makes things better, gets you to the next, the next step gives you room to, to do some of the stuff that you actually love. And suddenly you're like, I'm actually not that burned out. I just like really hated that thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think along those lines, sometimes we feel like we, we feel like we have to kind of suffer in silence. And oh, I have man. found, yeah. especially over the last couple of years, cause I was always that person that took on way too much and felt like I just had to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've noticed that over the last couple of years, I've, I've been better about just being like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, even if I don't have a solution, like, Hey, Hey guys, you know, this is something that I'm dealing with, you know, and a lot of the time people are more than willing to help you figure out. People love doing that. People are all about when you don't even want it. The people always got solutions and suggestions. Like people, I, you know, coming out of 2020, I, I continue to maintain a really positive outlook on just humanity and people I truly believe and and social media I truly believe people are inherently good and they want to help out give them a situation where they can help out and they're like what can I do can I say I'm like I didn't even ask for that opinion at all I didn't ask for that 
but they just like want to be so helpful. I truly, truly believe it. So when you can take that moment to just be like, Hey, I'm having a tough time with this. I think that you will be surprised about what happens. And if you are not surprised, if it's a terrible response, that should like, maybe like raise a little red flag and be like, maybe I need to change something. This is yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was, this is awesome. And I've taken up so much of your oh, time. Great. I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface. Um, this but is great. I, uh, I have a couple more questions yeah, that I want to ask, ahead. but first, um, where can people find you and what do you have coming up? I know you have a course that's dropping and in, in about middle of the month, right? Yeah. So, uh, easiest place to find me is Instagram. That's my favorite platform, uh, on the gram. I am the movement maestro maestro is spelled M A E S T R O. Uh, my website, same thing, the movement maestro consistent branding. Um, like Mariah said, uh, I have a, a six week Instagram coaching course, group coaching course that I run for folks, it's traditionally movement and health professionals, but I've had realtors go through it. I've had CPAs go through it. Uh, for anyone that's looking to learn how to use Instagram to grow a community, build a brand, and ultimately eventually sell some sort of online or digital product. It's not for people that have brick and mortar stuff. That's, that's not what I do. But uh, that will start on September 14th. Uh, the doors for registration, I believe technically are gonna close around September 3rd. So uh, if you're listening to this and it's after the fact and you're like, but I really want to be in it, just message me and uh, I'll see what I can do. I know a guy, so. <laughs> you know the boss. <laughs> Talk to your supervisor about it. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that is, that is hugely helpful. And we will drop all of the links to all of that in the show notes, guys. So if you're driving and listening or something like that, you don't have to pull over and try to remember all of that. Um, so we will link all of that up. So before we go, I have yeah. four kind of questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So the, uh, the first one is what is the biggest lie or common misconception, uh, that you, uh, feel is currently in the fitness, wellness, or movement industries? If you build it, they will come. Mm. don't believe Can you talk that. more about that so yeah. as it relates to business and it's you know what we spoke about earlier don't build the thing first unless the thing you're building is a community yeah. right, don't build the product first and then be like oh people will just love it build the community first mariah told you the actual creation of like products and things like that that is it's the fun part and it's the easy part you need to get the eyes first mm. Yeah. And I, I think along those same lines, I'm not sure if, if you feel the same way about this, but I know for me, especially at first, that need to create something almost came from kind of a scarcity mindset. Yeah. It was like, if I don't have something to offer that they mm -hmm. can buy, then nobody's going to want to stick around you're, you're or so pay attention right. to me. <laughs> you're so right, Mariah. You are so yeah. right. I think people think they need that that first thing. And, you know, for me, it was okay because I came out of the PT world. So I was already in the mindset of one-on-one -on -one services being the thing. Yeah. Like I didn't need some other tangible thing because what I did was you will work with me. And so for you folks listening to this, typically the first thing you're ever going to create is your one-on-one -on -one service where the people just work with you. Uh, but you are so, that's so spot on. It's a great point. Great point. 
Yeah, absolutely. People, people will, if you have good things to say, and, and like, like Shante said, if you are your authentic self and you're giving valuable information, people will follow you and that's it. They'll get excited when you launch something. Right. So it's really cool. 100%. 100%. Awesome. All right. Next question. Um, what was the best advice you ever received about health, wellness, fitness, or business? I would say I'm going to circle back to what, what Allison said to me, that work-life balance doesn't exist. This is your life's work. And the reason that was the best advice, I will say it was the best advice. It was because it gave me permission to do what I was already doing. And that was be obsessed. I think that it's almost gotten a negative, negative view, you know, connotation of like, oh, you're obsessed with that thing. That's awesome. Go all in, be the best. Right. Okay. Have someone at some point maybe has to pull you back, but I'd rather you, I'd always rather work with someone that's done too much than someone that's like, I don't want to do anything. Mm. So for me, that obsession, that deep passion, I get it too much of anything can be a bad thing, but I want that person. I want to give people permission. Go ahead. You have something that you're like, I, I, people need to hear this. It can help people. I don't want anyone to say, I didn't know, or I don't want anyone to say, I wish I had known. I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. Let it burn you up. Go ahead. Along that line, do you agree with the, with the phrase, um, your ideal customer avatar is usually your former self. Is that something for many people? Before? Yeah. So yeah. for many people, uh, it is right. And they'll say your, your ideal clients, past version of yourself, which part of that. So yes and no. All right. I will say, yes, I agree because we've seen it a lot. And I think that we've seen it a lot because when people start off and they don't necessarily have a direct passion, they go, they draw from their own personal experience. And so they're like, my expertise is my experience is my expertise. And so suddenly that's who you keep attracting, right? We attract what we are, not what we want. And so if you're talking about this kind of thing that you're really familiar with, then yes, that's what will happen. I will say, no, it doesn't always have to be that because look how many, and I will say it, men are in the space that coach women. Is that your former self? I don't know, but maybe, but for the most part, it's not. And men are allowed to lead with their expertise. Women typically are taught to lead with relatability. So they're like, my story, my transformation, I went through it too. You can trust me. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, so that wasn't how my approach to things. Uh, but yes, if that is what you coach and you teach and you love it, then that should actually make it easier because you're just talking to your past self. If that's not you and you're listening to this, that's fine too. Yeah. Basically, don't let that limit you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. All right. Um, the, the next thing to ask about is what's something that you used to preach that you no longer advocate for? I find this, and this was a tough one. I'm like, what don't I say or push for <laughs> anymore? You know, I was like, you sent the things before and I was like, oh, thinking about this. I would have to say, I want to, okay. I'm going to ask for permission to say two, two things here. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. So on the one hand, to directly answer your question, uh, I I've definitely changed my stance on how you treat knees. Uh, and I know that's like, maybe not the answer you were thinking I was going to give, but like, if I can think about something that's like objectively changed, 
uh, it's that. Like, I love me some leg extensions, my knee extension. I just got a knee extension machine. I, I freaking love it. We're kind of like beat into our heads in PT school. Like, those are bad. It's a lot of stress yeah. on things. And like, yeah. I knew that like, yes, your knees can come past your toes and that's totally fine. But like open chain exercises and things like that was like really not uh, as promoted and supported. And it was everything like we had that big functional movement, like wave of things and like everything's closed chain and like, can you squat with your toes forward? And I was like, I can't. Uh, but <laughs> I would say how I approach knees and I actually have a whole like knee journey highlight on my, on my stories. Cause I, I, I fell in the, fell into cahoots with, uh, knees over toes guy, Ben, Ben Patrick, and just loved his stuff and, and went through his whole programming. And like, this was really helped by it. And I was like, yeah, this is a better way. And just how we train and treat and looking at full end ranges of things. So definitely, you know, my view on things like that has definitely evolved and grown and changed since I was in first practicing. Uh, the second part of this answer is that as it relates to kind of the like life mindset stuff, that hasn't changed. And I, I, so I struggled to like, be like, what my life? That hasn't changed. And, and what I want to say about that is there's another phrase out there where people are like, if you're not embarrassed by your past work, you waited too long to put it out. And I'm immediately like, no, my stuff was good. <laughs> like Ooh. I'm not embarrassed by it. Like it helped someone. It was the best I could do at that time. Maybe it's, I've, you know, I've grown and like, I can make it nicer now. But like, if I look at my first version of my breathing course, it wasn't as nice as the platform I'm on now, but I'm like, the content was amazing. It was the best I could do for the time. It helped a bunch of people. I'm super proud about that. So just in terms of, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, when it comes to like more like technical things and movement that that has changed also in like pain science, things like that, your view on things that that's changed. Awesome. But if you're like mindset, mantra, lifestyle stuff hasn't changed. That's cool. Like you don't need to be, I don't think you should, you should not inherently be ashamed or whatever, embarrassed by the past things that you did. You can absolutely yeah. be proud of those things too. That's, that's a really good point. That's a, that's a great point because I, when I'm mentoring new coaches or trainers, I, I do say sometimes, I say, if you're not replacing a pretty decent percentage of your, your hard knowledge about, you know, fitness mm -hmm. and movement yeah. and everything, every yes. couple of years, you're probably not staying yeah, probably on top like, of, yeah. yeah, because things change they a change. lot. But mm -hmm. as you said, there's also some things that don't change. You know, I think I've been preaching that everybody is unique for as long as I've been a coach yeah. or a trainer and that, that hasn't That's changed. That's like, that is that's not yeah. going anywhere. That yeah. is not going anywhere. <laughs> that is going to age really well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so there, you know, there are absolutely some things that stay consistent and that's, that's a really good point and a great reminder, I think for a lot of us, like awesome. some things you can just sit with and be yeah, okay with. Um, and then the, the last question is, do you have a favorite quote and why? Is that mm -hmm. your favorite? Uh, I do. I have, I like live and die by quotes. Uh, even though I don't read a lot, but I read quotes. Apparently I'm like, I'll take that from that book. That's really good. Uh, <laughs> and I will leave the rest. Uh, I will say related to what I think would be most helpful right now in the moment, uh, the quote that I'm love, and I'm actually looking at it on my wall. My friend Meredith Root said it. She's actually one of the founders of tactic, uh, nutrition. She does nutrition coaching. She's a former games athlete. And she said, have expectations of effort, not outcome. Ooh. And that was like, that's pretty good. 
you should put that on a shirt. And then she did. And I was like, I'll buy that. Good job. <laughs> so yeah, I would say have expectations of effort, Ooh. not outcome. Oh, I, right? I love that. I love that. I think that is a, that's a really great note to end, end on as well. Um, this was such a good conversation. Yeah, this was great. And thank you. Thank you so much again for Dude, coming on. Absolutely. Thank and, you for asking me to be on. This is an honor. So you want to put me in front yeah. of your people? Like, heck yeah, this is awesome. Of course. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's an honor to have you. Um, and just because you're a cat person, I want I know, to show you. I know, I've seen the cat the whole time. Yes, this is Martin. He has been a captive, <laughs> a captive like... audience member as well. So Martin he just called right up. He's big. He's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that's just on audio right now is exactly. like, what are you guys like, talking about? Dude, go and watch the video. Because <laughs> yeah. I've seen his tail and I was like, but also was yeah. that a cat? Because I wanted to see it. Rupert's in the living room sleeping. He's not going to be bothered. Martin looks big. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Martin, Martin's a big boy and, and he's a fan, um, as am I. So thank you so much. And, uh, guys, if this episode brought value to you, remember to follow, um, Shantae on social media, click on the links in, in uh, the show notes and just, uh, leave a review, subscribe, all of that happy stuff and, um, have a pain-free day, everyone. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I'd really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast so that more people can hear us in the future. Have a pain-free day.